Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the Middle that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up woman. This podcast is brought to you by law firm Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. By the way, for a more interactive experience, listen to this podcast on an app called Entail. E-N-T-A-L-E. Hello, I'm Annabelle, and I'm absolutely fine, but I have a sore ankle. Uh, I have a pain in my good ankle. So that's a depressing <laughs> thing to say for a start. And also, um, the pain arrived the morning after I got really drunk. So it suggests to me that it's a party injury. But I'm 45, so I'm too old to admit to having a party injury without going into a recovery. So I'm going to ignore the pain in my good ankle and just hope that it goes away. How are you, Em? Uh, I'm absolutely fine. You know, it's really interesting. I, 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 I was so mean to myself just now. I couldn't find something. And I went, oh, come on, you stupid cow. I thought, oh, my God, I don't speak to anyone like that in my life and if anyone spoke to me I would try and hit them um, you know flail around but I just think why do I talk to myself like that so I'm absolutely fine but I mean to myself I think stupid cow's quite mild actually I call myself by my surname come on Rifkin pull yourself together yeah. like I'm a prep school boy from 1950 <laughs> okay well anyway we, I am actually absolutely fine because our next guest is here maybe you've been following her since the days when she was Peck and Mama on Instagram <laughs> maybe you're a devotee of her blog Mother All Lists which unpacks naughty subjects such as why I became a surrogate and gaslighting, aka psychological abuse in list form. Or maybe you're just addicted to her podcast, honestly, where she tackles topics that make everyone feel uncomfortable, like aging and fear. Which ever, Plemmy Telford is a powerful force in the social media world, and not just because she's recently become a weightlifter. <laughs> we are delighted to welcome her to the podcast. Hi, Clemmy, how are you? <laughs> Thanks. It's always really cringy listening to that bit. Um, I'm absolutely fine, but I've realised on reflection as I travelled here that I, I don't think I'm any fun anymore. <laughs> and the double whammy is that I don't even care that I'm not even fun anymore. I think yeah. I'm quite happy with you're, being a bit you're, boring. You're absolutely unfun. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I've become a bit phobic about going out at night. Well, this is what I was reflecting because the, the um, Christmas invitations are beginning to come in, and I just like my my knee jerk is to decline them, and now I need to work out. You know, maybe it would be nice to go to some. Well, someone once gave me a tip, which is that when someone invites you to something, pretend it's the day of the thing and wonder if you would actually like to go tonight. And the answer to that is 95% of the time going to be no. But it's always and also, no. if, you, if you don't sleep, do you sleep? Uh, yes, because I don't drink anymore. Okay, well, if you wake up at four in the morning... And I have small children. I don't sleep. Of course I don't sleep. Of course you don't <laughs> sleep. I mean, honestly, absolute nonsense. Um, but if you don't sleep, then it, that's just not an option at all. But the problem is, if you always, always... Because sometimes you do go and you come back and you go... It's a bit like sex, isn't it? <laughs> once like, you get on the escalator. Once you, once you, once you do it, it's, it's always all right. And maybe the same with... Well, so bad. We should do that more often. But yeah, it's the same with socialising. <laughs> yes, and the problem is the world actually, gets smaller and smaller if you keep saying I, that. I, I, I more often than not find it an ordeal. Largely because once it gets to 9.45, I'm looking at the desperate clock and panicking. Home, desperate to so. Desperate. Um, and and I, I, I do still drink, and uh, occasionally. And we now do something party injury. called... Uh, party injury. We, we do something called... Um, Turbo lash. So you start at six and you remember by ten. Yeah. Why have you given up drinking? Because the anxiety about trying to get home because I was trying to avoid a hangover and sleep deprivation was starting before I even went out. Yeah, I only I only drink when my child's with his father. It's called it's anxiety. Yeah, think, and, isn't it? and I just thought if I'm ruining every night before I go out, then 
something's got to give so yeah so i gave up drinking because the anxiety that my drinking caused the morning after was so intense about what you've done and why you've done self-loathing even if i had actually behaved fine Mm. and i did i was the real queen of the calls that went hey so hi last night was really fun wasn't it like question 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 um just to check whether or not like i had said something or and 99.9 percent of the time i hadn't but it was just intolerable that that self-loathing awful awful it's almost easier if someone said, listen, you punched the, you know, the barman and then you wet yourself and then you stole someone's wallet. Then you go, oh, well, maybe now's the time to stop. But if you're making those calls, everyone goes, no, you were charming. Yeah. But and you still have the self-loathing yeah, exactly. and the panic. That's what, yeah, that's what and that, that corrosive kind of, I mean, I still, obviously, I still worry about what I said. I just worried about what I just said just now, you know, in terms of, and well, I'm obviously. completely sober. But throwing alcohol into the mix and drugs and, you know, unsuitable men. Hello. One of the things that's interesting about you, Clemmy, is not only your own story that we'll get into, but also the way that you have become a safe place for people to share really, really difficult and detailed problems and also not just the problems themselves but the way these problems have have, have, un, have, have unfolded and infected people's lives in your list I was reading something earlier about domestic abuse mm-hmm. um, I know recently you did something about racism things that people often really won't touch and how did that begin it begun with me sharing my own most difficult things so mother rule list came about me trying to navigate actually I'd had two kids but just that huge identity crisis career crisis marriage crisis actually for us financial crisis so I was the financial crisis did it precede the marriage crisis or was it all like a perfect storm a perfect storm yeah all of it you know and I yeah I was writing the list form was just the ultimate form of therapy for me because I could just Wash it all out, and the more I shared, the more I realised that other people had gone through versions of what I've gone through. And in what, but what's interesting about your list is they're not really lists; they just they're presented as lists because yes. it's easier to because, read and yeah. easier to write. If you go, but actually, they're just they're, they're stream of very honest conscious, consciousness, yeah. really, aren't they? And also, I wanted in ter- I didn't realise, but it empowers anyone to write. To write in prose is a skill, and actually, one that loads of us are losing. But you can say to anyone, "I'll just start writing bullet points," and they feel and it's it. amazing what comes yeah. out. Yeah, I agree. And the intimacy, also to be able to read it as as that you feel like you're really being taken on the journey like a ladder you know almost sort of visually yeah. as opposed to a block of prose which you know again because we have such short attention spans thanks Instagram. And when did you start doing them? Uh, 2015. And was that around time of your own sort of domestic crisis? Yeah I think yeah trying to get the yes the chronology of it yes. So, so how, what did you do before you were Peckham Mama? When I, you were, oh, you know, please, can we never talk about that? No. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's awful. it felt really right at the time. But you know what? It's like all of those things that it is it, it, proof that I went into Instagram just just to go into Instagram. It wasn't a preconceived trying to. It wasn't a brand. No, it wasn't a brand. <laughs> My background is in advertising as a creative director, right, okay. and I was doing that in agencies and then at Facebook up until eighteen months ago, two years ago. Uh, so you're the real deal, the real digital deal. <laughs> um, and how did you meet your husband? Oh, I was with one of his, I went out with one of his best friends, also called Ben, at uni, and then he was lurking. You got so drunk, you forgot yeah. which one was which. <laughs> yeah, and then he was lurking in the background. And I don't even know, I, actually I was talking to someone about marriage the other day, and I think that when, for me, when you meet the one, it, it isn't what, of course, it isn't what Hollywood has led us to believe. It isn't necessarily fireworks. It's this feeling of, oh, wow, this is really easy. We got married at 28, so yeah, we were young. Mm-hmm. But 
he was the right person to go on that journey with me now. I don't think... Uh, I think maybe it's easier to acknowledge that you're going to change in your 20s. Yeah, um, and I always stay with any of it. I think we were amazingly naive. If we had any idea as we stood at the altar, which is, again, laughable, but we did, um, <laughs> of what what was ahead of us in every aspect, we would have run a mile. But I think that's true of most big things yeah, in life. Yeah, it is. It's, you know, marriage is... If you absolute... knew what you were getting into, you just yeah. never would have bothered. No, of course you wouldn't, because yeah. it's terrifying yeah. and hard and, yeah, an uphill struggle. Um, and so what did he do in, for, for job, work? For yeah, job, he, was... he was... Oh, he's done a few things. <laughs> well, he ran a marquee company that went badly wrong and then he worked in art handling and now he's a stay-at-home dad mm. which he's amazingly talented at um and so did you have your children quite soon after you yeah i think well we've been through a lot of therapy to realize that ben and my problem or thing that unites us is that once we've got the uh, bit between our teeth we go 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 so we got married then we had a kid then we had another kid 22 months later then we did a massive house development and then we changed jobs and then we had another kid and that and actually finally now we're coming to a place out of that and it feels really nice to go okay although we are trying to do a massive move again so we're continuing the same trajectory but we're like think, a project i think that one it's very hard not to kind of get involved with the project because actually you never sit still no. you never i mean i never sit still and the and that sort of restless one but also I think it, it's amazing how fast that it all happens in such a tiny, yeah. small amount of time and how like head spinny that is. And when you throw in kind of, you know, parents or, or you know, illnesses or whatever, a yeah. job and, you know, market changes and kind of Brexit. But it's weird, isn't it, how you can sort of, try, you know, you can be, you can approach things, you know, in a very grown up way and really consider them. But when they're in motion, you think, whoa, how the fuck did that happen? And yeah. suddenly it feels like it's yeah, very Yeah, and you quick. reflect. Funnily enough, Ben and I have both got quite y younger siblings who had j both just got married in the last year. And it's really funny to see them. They're at that exact moment. They've got big friendship groups are going out a lot. They've just got married and the weddings are all really fun and everyone looks, you know, you look so great at that age, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> and all their nice outfits and all that freedom. And you're like, wow you're about to go to the next chapter and actually uh, we have just come out of it most of my friends have kind of stopped having babies now and it's like oh well see you on the other side basically and it, yeah because you can't afford shoes hangovers know, or holidays no social yeah. life you know it's like yeah yeah the moment you have gone. a baby it's all gone but also they ruin everything yeah, they and, do. Yeah, they do. and all the things that you, we that sorry to keep talking but that made us a couple was we were a really fun couple we loved socializing all of that is gone and then it's quite we've got also, um, in between uh, yourselves uh, in between yourselves as well the communication it, it's so depressing when it literally is just like who's doing the bin why haven't you done the bin oh my god the bin why is this bin still here and then that feels like this sort of that feels like it that's your only dialogue well, we got this um with the agony aunts on a newspaper yeah. and we got um a problem the other day at this very very common problem such a common problem it's almost unheard of not to have this problem yeah. until married with well, a woman saying I used to be really fun and carefree my husband really loved me about that we have a small baby I can't stop nagging him no. I hate myself and I hate him what and do we uh, do I know and it ride it out yeah and then you get out of it and you it's like you come up for air like the stage that yeah. we're sort of slightly that I'm at and and then for me what happened and this was happened a few years ago was I was like but who the fuck am I now yeah I have at absolutely no idea who I am I have no idea who I am I have no idea who 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 am I mother you know daughter wife employee mm. ah and then I had a proper meltdown anyway so okay now. so when things <laughs> so so when things get 
difficult in a marriage? I mean, do they? What's the difference between a what's the difference between a mini crisis and a proper crisis that puts your marriage and your life in peril? I'm asking you two because I'm not married. So for us, the thing that put us in peril is him um, bankrupting this business just after we'd had two small children and. As part of that, he lied to me a lot. And for me, that was a real fundamental, you know. Actually, I don't care. I did care because it was very damaging, but I don't judge him for for bankrupting the business. But the lying to me was the bit that just like, wow, this Lying is... about the extent of the debt or his personal... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the extent of the debt. But at that point, when I really, really thought it was over because I didn't know who he was, we went to a therapist together and she was like, do you want to save this marriage? And both of us agreed that we did. So... There you go. So yeah. then I, like, I kind of knew whatever the journey was, I, I didn't want to not be with him. You know, I didn't know how that was going to look, but I, I knew that it was, it was worth saving. Yeah, I mean, I, was, I, I said this the other day, but it just does sound true. If someone once said to me, who'd been married for 50 yeah. years, you know, I said, how did you stay together? And, and, and it was a man. He said, neither of us wanted to get divorced at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and if you're, both, if you're both able to say, we really want to be married, then I guess yeah. that's the... I can't imagine any going through this journey with. Well, I do. Of course, we all fantasise about what it would look like. But I have to remember me at my because we all have those bits where I'm feeling a bit punchy and a bit great and backing myself and things are going well and I'm a bitch to him and I'm, you know whatever. And then remember how I feel when I'm at my lowest and who else would replace him? Ben, I hope you listen to this. I'm being very nice. <laughs> um, yeah. What's he like, your husband? He's really, really fun and really, really laid back, both of which drive me absolutely mad. <laughs> but we've been through enough therapy to know that that is exactly why I was attracted to him. Because yeah. if he if he wasn't those things, then I'd, yeah. It's really difficult as well, because I know I, it means that, you know, if they're fun and laid back, then it means that you have to, to be, be the, unfun. Yeah, exactly. And, and, it's, and, and, and no it's one wants that, to be put in that role. Which I totally get. And you're standing there going, I, lit, I turned around to my husband and kids the other day and I was like, they were having a really good time. I'm like, the reason you are having a good time is because, because I am doing all the stuff around it. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, and they were like, what? And I'm like, oh yeah. God. And you know that, you know, and you have, I mean, I certainly have had enough therapy to know that it is that I put myself in that position. Yeah, and if I um, just try and tap into laid back fun, Emily, huh? <laughs> then uh, great things happen. Yeah, exactly. But it's sometimes hard. When I can't think of tap into laid back fun, Annabelle, yeah. when I am when I'm when I'm in a sort of slightly darker place. It's like she the doors are locked. No. Yeah, you're knocking on the door, but, going, yeah. "Let me in! Yeah. Let me out!" But you know what? The us more complex people, as it's a cliche, but we get like the whole spectrum of all the emotions. And yes, I look at my friends who are much more straightforward. But it's good to be multi, you know, to have all the colours of the rainbow, isn't it? Yeah, I Do think, you think so. there's su- there's such a thing as a apart from communications, such a thing as a key to not even a successful marriage, but just you know keeping going. I think there. I think therapy is a must. You're for a big believer. Yeah. Because some people would say it's just an exit strategy. No, it's about having some some a. If you're in the thick of it, as Cherry Healy says, the rush hour of our lives, there it's you literally don't have an opportunity to talk other than to shout or to nag. So actually, being forced into a room for an hour with someone to navigate that, and also Ben and I sat there. We did a year of of weekly therapy and heard each of other's childhood from beginning to end. That I th- although I thought he knew about mine and vice versa, you wouldn't unless you and and to understand 
why we come to situations as we do, which is with all of that behind us, is, is a huge benefit. So yeah. it helps you to understand each other. Yeah. And also, I guess, to empathise yeah. and not just think, you fucker, you haven't taken the bins out, Em, yeah. or whatever it might be. And f- yeah, and actually what my therapist taught me is when I get to that, like, what I do is I begin to fire off everything I'm doing and all the things he isn't doing. And I learned that... Mother I, of all lists. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I did this, 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 this. So that's where it came from. <laughs> that is me saying I'm overwhelmed. Help me. Yeah. Yeah. And and for him to hear it is that. Um, it's also interesting, actually. We I got told a good piece of advice a long time ago, which is don't bring everything into the argument. So <laughs> when you're in the middle of a of a discussion about it, you don't go. And then you know, two years, years ago, ago, exactly. It's just like this. the time that yeah, exactly. This, yeah, you just you keep it very focused. I mean, Chris and I don't fight very much, and um, and I think that's just because we're both no, we totally non confrontational humans so but um but we do try and we try and talk all the time about 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 how we're feeling <laughs> but we Which also quite but the, but worst, the difficult thing about that is those times when you're meant to be talking about how you're feeling and you don't know yeah you just know that you feel you know that, not that, quite right not right maybe and it's it might be fear but it's translating as fury and all those things that so i guess there has to be a a little a little a little beat where you wait Mm. I would imagine yeah no I mean I say to Chris sometimes I say I don't know I just I'm feel off or I just want to warn you you know I'm really worried about this and I it might make me feel and I'm going to repeatedly talk about it over and over (laughs) again yes so bear with me bear bear with with me if I get obsessive (laughs) exactly this is this is just I can't shut this is my brain I'm telling I'm sharing this is actually a fraction of what's in my brain yes of course as well (laughs) and you know I think that that I think that yeah it's all it's all about talking actually so 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 coming back to you so you had the the bankruptcy did he have to sit and confess to you that this had happened Uh, yeah it became yeah it became apparent that we were waiting for this magical check to clear that was going to change a lot of stuff, but it transpired that that check didn't exist. Uh. Um, and we're fortunate we've got parents who were able to help us out, but yeah, we had to do it. We were at the real deal of, you know, uh, bailiffs at our door, etc., etc. And the ramifications is that I had to go back to work full time when I, I didn't have very long maternity leaves with my kids. But you know what? It was a journey and it taught us... it about our different strengths and he'd lost his dad not that much before so it was all wrapped up in that and was there a was there a sort of when you found out was there a sort of stalemate where you had to get quite practical before you made oh, yeah, decisions yeah, about yeah. whether or not you were going to move yeah, forward yeah. romantically it's literally trying to stop this like keep the, the roof over your yeah, head exactly stop yeah. the stop the bailiffs coming more lists yeah more lists more <laughs> action plans and i think i would imagine in, in a partnership any kind of partnership particularly a marriage if one person compromises their family and the shame must be enormous yeah and the problem him. is i was in this we we're in this circle in that i was obviously furious with him but he was basically having a breakdown and so there was this place of empathy for him but also wanting to shake him and get yeah, him yeah. out of it and so you need to you need yeah to. so it's like i have sympathy for you but help me and the problem is then he became the victim whereas you know, God, I, it's annoying when like, that happens. Yeah, and so everyone was full of sympathy for him, but I had, was the one who had been lied to. And actually, he could continue to see that. Like, I think what had happened in the middle of it is that we both had empathy for each other, even though lots of outside forces probably didn't. 
I, I love that. Might have been the key. Of, yeah. Empathy is the opposite of contempt. Yeah, and they say that we, contempt we, is the or, killer. If we have a massive row, we, inevitably we both come back and apologise to each other because we both feel so bad to one another. So I think we're really lucky for that. that I think good. you've got a lot of you've got a lot of clarity around what happened, which means that you've probably got a lot of clarity around like your day to day, which is amazing. I mean, in a I funny think, way, it might be one of those things which, in five years' time, when your youngest kid is six. And you know everyone yeah. else gets divorced when their youngest. Oh, kid I is think sick. it's made on well, like a gift, yeah. right? Oh, it really oh, is. Yeah. yeah, the therapy taught us about our relationship in a way that we never ever would have. No, God, yeah, it's a gift. And when you've been there in the darkest place, I've got a tattoo which is a massive bunch of flowers, and it's for me it was that expression that with um, no rain, no flowers, and I really believe that yeah. That, that awful time, not that I would have chosen it, has, of course. has made us who we yeah, are. Yeah, it's like they say, nothing beautiful grows in your comfort zone. No. Um, and so, and also it led to the point where he's now a stay at yeah. which works for everyone. Yeah, it's brilliant. So tell us about the dynamics yeah. of that. Oh, that, God. How does that work? Um, so, yeah, uh, to, get out of, to get out of that awful time, I think I, ha- I put my foot on the gas in my career. And, uh, yeah, and also I'd had two kids, which people talk a lot about, um, that male instinct to provide, but I definitely found that, and I was like, right, I'm going to go and be a role model for them. So I put my foot on the gas with um, my career, and Instagram grew, and I went to Facebook, which was a massive career highlight for me. And then when I went on maternity leave with Greta, I had an inkling that it was probably that this would be my career now, but we used shared parental leave as a little bit of a tester, so he did that. And immediately it became obvious that it worked insofar as any parent will know you, if you're both working you have that thing on oh, my job's more important you know the kids ill who's going to do this who's going to and it all of that was gone but the big learning curve is that on the friday i was the stay-at-home parent and he was working and then by the monday we'd flip would flipped reversed it and he was doing and as so i had to stop doing the oh when i was doing it i did it like this you have to let go yeah. it's really hard Which isn't it yeah to let go of all of the places you know we were talking to someone the other day about you know and helping them negotiate kind of responsibilities and the point is is that you have to be prepared to let some stuff go which i'm really really bad because at we we hold everything in our bloody heads yeah. don't we we're like we know where this 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 and this and this yeah and also it's like it is like it is highly likely that no one will die no but the house might be a yes. terrible and mess and that really... will really upset my equilibrium <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly and and it's there's not many things where you trade jobs like that and so, you know, every now and then he'd learn something about a great play group that I'd already told him about 10 times. But, and I, you know, I'm really bad at going, yeah, I told you so. <laughs> but, you know, also what I'm bad at, and I say that I'm really great at telling everyone else what a great job he's doing. And even though I know the domestic load is the most thankless task, I'm not as good as I should be at, at telling him how well he's doing. I think yeah. that's I think that's true of many, many sets of parents. Yeah. And um, so do you have a very different marriage coming out of a crisis to going into that crisis? I mean, presumably it's, it doesn't just restore, you don't just press reboot. No, I, I feel like we're completely two different people. Like, yeah, I feel like we're a different version of the people that got married. Mm. But yeah, we've achieved something great together. We've survived that. We've got three kids. We are trying to shape a life that is quite, you know, it's... It's traditional in that we've got one earner and one domestic person, but it's quite radically different to, to have flipped it. And I feel really proud of us that we are doing that. Yeah, I think that's amazing. Now, have your friends really noticed the difference in your close, close friends who watched you go through it? Oh, yeah, I never, I haven't asked them. They just them. said, God, you're just really unfun now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I, no, I wouldn't dare ask them. <laughs> but you know what? 
I recently went away with my best mates for a weekend, my best girlfriends, and because we've all had small kids, it was the first time we were actually able to go away for two nights. And so we got past the kind of catch up and went deep. And everyone's just trying to survive. They're all married, and we're all or in long term relationships. We're all just trying to survive it, aren't we? No, yeah. no one's reflecting on what anyone else is doing. They're so deeply in their own. That's trenches. the thing is, you really don't judge other people. No. You're just too tired. And I agree. The secret of the going away is two nights, so you get one full day. You yeah. get a wake up and go to and bed. And you go like, let's. Go, yeah. let's go into this where did you go we just went to the cocktails and we just talked yeah, yeah. And the other secret is don't get on a plane if no. at all possible for many many reasons in, including Greta no yeah. <laughs> not your Greta the other no, one no no not your Greta <laughs> my although my nice choice like, yeah no she was before we named her before this yeah. she knew? was pre she's a pre-Greta yeah. Greta <laughs> Who knew? But yeah, and just to realise that we're all just trying and actually, again, the, the foundations of Honestly and Mother of All This is that when things are shit, if you can know that you're not totally weird, then that I find that hugely yeah, no, I, went, um, yeah. I, I went for one of those weekends with my girlfriends last year. God, they're hard to organise. Mm. God, and it's easy to, to go, organize. fuck it, let's not bother. And weirdly, we went to the Cotswolds. Did you? We borrowed someone's cottage, so it was free when and we all sat around having lunch and I looked around the table and I thought no one would believe these stories the secret stories that I know about these people whether they're about uh, you know cancer or oh, relationships close, or money and I looked around and I thought this is like a Richard Curtis film no, it, you no, know all, all of us oh, and well. I just thought the most ordinary John Lewis looking group of women you can imagine in fact we were even wearing John Lewis slipper boots because someone had bought it was so it was four birthdays and someone had bought them for everyone and I just thought my god you wouldn't you you wouldn't believe that the drama of these heartbreaking narratives that's happening all times and so you see people on the street everywhere you just don't know what's going on down all those memes you read about you've got no idea what people are going through they really haven't you really really haven't Mm. and actually I would imagine that is true of marriage as well I would imagine if you're married quite often one of you doesn't know what the other one is going through in mm-hmm. terms of you know I woke up this morning and I cried on the bus yeah it's you not this a particularly bad day cried on the bus. Yeah. no why wait oh, I don't know why I was fucking crying on the bus all I know moon, is I was putting on mascara at the same time so yeah. that was a disaster <laughs> Um, and you know and it happens we're really really vulnerable and being able to be vulnerable in a marriage also your husband a bloke very handsome by the way looked oh, him up on you. Instagram right. very handsome you know being able to be vulnerable as well about things like losing a shitload of money yeah. and potentially compromising his family. Yeah. That's really big stuff. Yeah, yeah, it is. And that's much harder for men, for sure. They, I think it still is, got, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they've got a long way to go on. Yeah. But, but I think also, like, showing, you know, you don't want to be that, you know, hysterical, kind of crying, <laughs> haven't shaved in your knickers, that snotty. baggy, snotty kind Man of... Man or woman. Person, exactly. Yeah. Sitting there in the bathrooms going, ah! Because you've lost your shit about the bins or whatever, and you just think, oh my, you know, God, this is not exactly sexy fun, Emily. Sexy but also, fun, how Emily, to just... create the emotional space for yourself where you can go and sit in the bathroom, unshaven and covered in stains <laughs> and disgusting, crying, and say to yourself, it's not about the bins, it's not about the bins. So, what is it about? And that can be very hard yeah, to is. work out, you know, wh- what you're feeling. But also to acknowledge that it's actually a real, we're really privileged to have someone who we can do that in front of. I've yeah. like, that's what I've really realised recently, that talking to some people about their marriages where they still haven't been that open and that vulnerable with their life partner. You know, I could do all that and I know that hopefully unless I do something really bad, Ben will stick with me. Yeah. 
I know a lot of people who can't afford to get divorced. They genuinely should be divorced. They're miserable, corrosively miserable. Yeah, exactly. And there are long-term affairs, and they show huge contempt for each other (sighs) in front of the kids. But they can. They they, how are they going to afford? They can't. The money. The money. In this, I don't know if it was always the case. I think property is part of the problem, right? But they can in no way afford to split their lives into two. And there's no, and there's no rescue package coming, so that's it. Someone just said to me the other day, "Oh, I've just got to stick it out until my youngest daughter is 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 18. Mm-hmm. She's three. That's a long life. It's a long time. So it's so and much that, time ma- to- yeah. And I'm single, and it's that stuff that makes me glad to be single. Yeah, because, because I just think that must be very much. That they, she must be lonelier than I am. Oh yeah, yeah. utterly trapped. Mm. Oh, that is heartbreaking, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, w- with marriage, you know, there's, there's, you know, because one of the things we're learning from doing, from talking to these divorce lawyers, is if you can avoid divorce, avoid, 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 abort, abort, get off the divorce bus because it's a nightmare. Well, funnily, I've posted before about going to um, therapy. At the time we were going, it was like fifty pounds a session, which is actually cheap in London. Mm. And people are like, oh, you're lucky to be able to afford that, which I acknowledge I am. But it's so much cheaper than divorce, mm. you know. It's, yeah, it's, it's it's you've got to prioritize that. And also, people find money for per, uh, for personal trainers or for a meal out. You mm. you've got to put put that kind of money behind. I know. It. I always have a funny thing where I say, the one thing that always always really drives me nuts is how much laundry detergent costs and how much dishwasher tablets cost. It's like thirty two quid for a packet of dishwasher. Whereas of course I would spend that on I, mean, I don't know what else like a taxi. <laughs> but it's funny, isn't it? You're so yes. it's like it's like yes. your, it's like your financial morality almost. But what is like, right and what is wrong. Is, but go but, on about the therapy. But you're also, saying, what you're saying it's like money ridiculously well spent for yeah, you. Yeah, you literally can't put a price on it mm. well you can but it's like <laughs> the problem is and then you add a babysitter and again I think speaking from a place of being in London we've got a very different set of pressures I think mm. or in places where you haven't got a family on your doorstep to support you that's one thing that I think most therapists will say is if you have a problem in your marriage get a babysitter and get out the house yeah. have a cup of coffee have dinner but then of course it's all there are financial implications yeah, they it's are. all and privilege. also it's admin isn't it yeah, yeah. It's, it's just like to book to do it to organise yeah, it and then to... all the sparks gone out of it you know, and the... also one kid is gets sick yeah or like what are you going out tonight they ask me that every night we never go out and they ask me every single night <laughs> are you going out tonight <laughs> no. like it's their greatest fear yeah we're never going out we and don't... you feel like saying it could get a lot worse yeah, than this yeah, exactly are you still are you still going to therapy you guys or separately no no no, i think i'm just about not because i'm in any kind of crisis but i've got a couple of things that i keep going around and around in my head so i am actually about to go back to a therapist although jill who saw saved our marriage i emailed her and we check in like once a year usually jill's not not working anymore does that make you feel afraid oh my word it's like a great i'll never see her again and and actually it's I've, like a superhero has been like put yeah, out of action or something I've, the number of conversations I have with Jill in my head because you don't believe in God but you do believe in Jill yeah Jill yeah. saved us what would Jill say yeah. and actually like, on reflection maybe this is a new chapter and it'll be good to go fresh and I'm sure that a new therapist will take things in a different way and it's for me not for for us anyway but yeah do you yeah. ever say to him what would Jill say about that we don't even we, we all talk about Jill a lot yeah we know we know what Jill would say we know what Jill would say we know what Jill would yeah, say. Yeah, and actually we went, I think, before Ben became a stay-at-home parent and we went to just to kind of talk it out with her and actually it became really apparent that we were just talking about, like, who should unpack the dishwasher and she was like, 
I don't think I need to see you again, guys. <laughs> you become completely infantilized yeah, yeah, by Jill. Yeah, we're like, she's like, yeah, I think this is normal stuff. And I really re- respected her for, and actually. After, but I would imagine, though, that I can see where you were coming from because I would imagine the decision making process is different mm. post therapy to pre therapy. Pre therapy, it's. I'll just do it because no one else is going to, or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, and post therapy, it's, it's yeah. And we wanted to check again. It's I think it was a courtesy to one another that uh, give him the space probably because I'm the one who's quite likely to railroad things to say if he wasn't really happy. But how important do you think good manners are in a in a successful marriage? I mean, there is no manners. <laughs> <laughs> but you're talking about courtesy. Yeah, that is manners. It's just not bowing and curtsying and opening doors for people. No, it's true. It, yeah, I think it's about it is kindness. it is about kind kindness and hearing the other person, even when you really don't want to 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 hear. And some people Always say you make a decision every day. Yeah, to stay married. The married the, what marriage really is is well, a decision that you keep making. Yeah, I mean it's fundamentally true, I suppose. Yeah, but I was like, who's got time to have a? Have do you an f- do you still feel very romantic? <laughs> about your husband no but I was just thinking as you were speaking if he, he's a really really great father and there is something really amazing about seeing that and mm. seeing how he treats my children and, and those three humans are the ones that I love with every yeah court, soul in my so body so you are able to go to work yeah. and have enormous respect for him because yeah, he you enables know you me can go to... off without anxiety yeah. and without yes and I'm so grateful for him for that he, you know, he is literally letting my career have wings and, and not acting like he's doing you a favour Never, I'm, and I'm not as good at that in reverse. But um, yeah, God, yeah, I'm so lucky. Yeah. Oh, Clemmie Telford, thank you so much for coming to talk to us oh, today. Thank you. Stay tuned for a deep dive into some gold standard legal wisdom about cohabitation. We are delighted to welcome to the podcast Claire York, who is legal director uh, in family law at Mishkon Dorea. Claire, hello. Hello, hi. Hi, Claire. So we've probably got a lot of listeners who are happily living, cohabiting with their partners out there in the world. And so we want to talk to you about common misconceptions and rights and what might happen if those relationships came to an end. So first of all, just broadly speaking, do cohabiting couples have any rights whatsoever? Sadly, very few. Right. Despite the amount of times I hear the term common law spouse or people believe that marriage is just a piece of paper, um, the reality is sadly it isn't. So what rights do you have and what do you, what surprising rights do you not have? So the rights that you do have will depend on how you've held um, property, uh, whether there's been children. So if we go to the worst case scenario, and it's the horror story that I think comes from the generations where they believe there was a common law spouse, is where you can have a woman that's in her 50s, she's been in a relationship, for 20, 30 years, there is a couple of grown up children, she stayed at home, she's brought up the children, the partner has gone out and worked, um, and he's been the breadwinner and they've lived in a lovely house and had a lovely lifestyle. The youngest child goes off to university, he leaves for somebody else and she has no home, no claim against the home that she's lived in because for 30 the years. Have gone. Because the children have gone, so she can't make a claim as a, on um, the basis of the child or a carer as a child, we call it schedule one. Um, and she hasn't got any claim against the property because the property's always been in his name. He's never made any promises in writing that it should be a shared asset. 
So she's left at the age of 50, whatever, trying to find a part-time job, reliant on any gesture or gift he wants to give her, but really in a very vulnerable position. So in that kind of situation where that lady comes to me, I'm looking for anything that he has said, and, and typically in that age demographic, it is the him that we're looking against, the, the man's assets. Has he said anything where he said, well, darling, the house is in my name, but of course it's our home and I've just done it because it's better for tax purposes or because I've got the mortgage capacity? Is any of this in writing? Is there anything where we can show that there has been a desire to create a constructive trust is the technical term, but create a joint asset, even though the legal title is sold? So to but establish it's an some kind of intent that was There's declared at some point. There's got to be a real intent. It's a funny thing, isn't it? You have no rights, but equally, you would want to be beady about protecting your own assets. I mean, you've got women in their 30s now who have fantastic careers, and there's two risk elements for them. Some of them have um, built up a some assets, they have bought a property in London, they may be in a relationship with somebody who's not as career focused, um, has a lesser paid role, and, and they're happy, and that person's going to move into their property. And they're saying to me, well, Claire, is that okay? If he moves in, do I need to have anything in writing? I don't, if this breaks down in a couple of years, I, obviously I hope it wouldn't, but is he gonna have a share against my property? And the answer to that is? And the answer to that is, if you'd never say, you pay half the mortgage and you will get X, and if it's always understood that it's your property, then no, but actually, maybe we need to be a bit more, a bit less English about these things, and there are some people that are having it written down, whether it's an email between the two, which is, yes, you're moving in and you'll pay for the food, but you're never going to pay for the mortgage instalments and you're never going to pay the utility bills because it will always be my property. If you own the property, but then the person is not on the joint mortgage, but is contributing to the instalments by paying you a kind of rent I class that as muddying the waters. It's what I would always say is, you know what, get your contribution in Waitrose shopping um, and the fluffy cushions, etc. which if things go south, he can take his rug and his throw and, you know, decorate his man cave with it. So actually, if you want somebody to contribute, and, you know, why shouldn't they? Take it in the Waitrose, take it in the dinners, take it in this way, and you keep things clean as much as you can. The other flip of that is the career women who were saying, you know what, I've been in a relationship for 10, 15 years. I don't know where those 10, 15 years have gone. I've not aged a day. And <laughs> the years have flown by and we're in this relationship and I'm not bothered about being married, but I want to have a child. Yes. And actually, what's my position then? Because that is fundamentally different than if you're married. Right. So if there is a child or children, then um, divorce... Uh, is very different from a cohabitational separation. With a child, absolutely. In what way does that play out? So the minute you get married, you open up rights and obligations to each other. If you've not been married and you're living together, if you are, for example, take the career woman who's decided that she's going to pause, have a few years off with a little one, bring them up, and maybe live in her partner's property. Um, if that relationship was to go south, um, she's making claims on behalf of the child. So it's called Schedule 1. She's not entitled to a share of his wealth just because they've had a child and in many ways they're presenting as a family, they're missing the piece of paper, it's not important to them or whatever. Um, her claims are on behalf of the child. So yes, she can claim for housing, but that's on trust. So if she'd been married, she'd have a share of property. So that's hers. So once the child is 18, 21, whatever, she still has that. If you're not married and it comes under Schedule 1, 
she's entitled to property on trust until the child is 18. So there is a very real situation where the child skips off to university at 18, he says, I'd like my property back, and she's stuck. And it's a very, very real position because when you're looking at how you prevent against that, it depends on your ability to amass your own resources whilst you're bringing up this child. Of course, because you want to be able to buy them out or whatever. You want to be able to buy them out or you need to be able to know that you could then go and buy something else that's suitable for you. But actually, so schedule one is housing on trust. But it's, um, there's a maintenance stream, two elements of it. One is child maintenance, and that's to cover clothes and the child's contribution to utility bills and living expenses. Um, the other element is what we call a carer's provision. So that is to contribute, so the, um, the parent that's doing the day-to-day care is to contribute to their needs to the degree they can't do it themselves. There is not an automatic entitlement for that until the child is 18. And you're then looking to get back to work because whatever carer's provision you get, it definitely doesn't include a monthly contribution to your ISA. It includes nothing towards your pension. And you need to be able to get back to work in order to build that. Typically, your carer's allowance, I mean, if it's going past 11, 12 years old for the child, you're doing very well. Right. So you're in a position where you're, you've got far less wriggle room to protect for your future than you do if you're married because if you're married it's about sharing what's there so if you've built up millions during that marriage whether it's short or long you're getting millions could would there be a way of writing an agreement saying okay we don't want to get married and we're having this child and everything's great what if it turns sour Sure. You could do that. You can have cohabitation agreements. Um, They're not done as commonly, but you can have them. Um, And they will set out, this is the agreement, this is how we plan to provide things financially in the short term whilst we are together. And it can help deal with any anxiety around somebody moving into a property that's held in someone's sole name. Um, And it can say that actually, this is roughly what we think should happen if the relationship breaks down and we have children. But in relation to that latter element, no, you can't exclude the court's jurisdiction. So if what's in there is woolly or there's nothing in there in relation to the breakdown of a relationship, then actually that's where Schedule 1 and Schedule 1 claim kicks in. And you need to sit there and actually think, as cold as it may sound, slightly strategically about it. I think what's so interesting as well is that how grown up we all have to be all the time about mm. and how we can't walk into relationships and... Uh, marriages and you know and have children without actually keeping ourselves and I'm saying as women but I think men too you know keeping ourselves all of our paperwork in order know where we are at all times and I know literally nothing (laughs) I'm now panicking (laughs) (laughs) uh, well also if you're cohabiting just quickly yes um, no forget separation what about if your partner is catastrophically injured what about if they you know, what about if they develop a, a you know, a, a, a very compromising, appalling addiction? Mm. What about, you know, what, what decision-making powers do you have when all these things, you know, go to shit? Again, in relation to their care, in their med- whether you're making decisions as their medical care, it will really depend on how much forward planning has been done. Have they put something in place where actually you have the ability to make a decision? Because if not, you're not next of kin. Because if they have a car yes. crash... So there was no there was no warning. There was no long you're illness. Not next mm-hmm. of kin, of you're course. not next of kin. So you can end up in a situation where I mean, obviously, we hope that whether you're married or not married, your relationship with their wider family is you know is good. But if not, you could be having the awkward conversation with a woman that there's a good reason she's not your mother-in-law, mm. um, and actually she's the one there and she's the one telling you what's going to happen because she's the next of kin. Mm. So actually, it is something to think about. And I do your point about how. 
you need to be thinking about things and being grown up earlier on there is a bit of a sea change i do think that as women particularly career women we are far more eyes and ears open maybe because we've grown up with friends whose parents have got divorced with heard horror stories or whatever but i mean there are still the clients that will come and they don't know anything and he's made damn sure they don't oh yes um, don't worry about the legalities for the property i'll sort it out it's because that property's been bought in his sole name and your name is nowhere near it and it's never going to be and the form you signed that you didn't really read properly that you thought was to do the house was actually the mortgage waiver form for people over 18 living in the property now would i say that around my girlfriends we are we ask more questions and we're a bit punchier yes also you're working women we're working women actually a lot of the time more and more we're the ones where we're standing back and we're saying well actually i've worked really bloody hard for what i've got i want to keep this. and i want to keep this and i want to be careful and then you know and i want to think about prenups and i do more and more of those every single season claire york thank you so much my you've pleasure yeah, my pleasure you've been listening to annabelle rifkin and emily mcmeekin of the Medult. our book i'm absolutely fine is out now If you like what you've heard, please rate, review and subscribe. And we'll just leave you with this thought. Everything is a phase. (laughs) 